We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. to the Rotowire Basketball Podcast presented by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. All right, it is Thursday, February 4th. Nick Whalen joined, as I always am, on Thursdays by Rotowire's James Anderson. Uh, big news coming out last night, James. News that I care, I think, exponentially more about than you probably do. But we do have some Arizona Wildcats representation in the dunk contest. The field was announced last night. We still don't know the three-point shootout field. That should be leaking out in the next couple of days. But the dunk contest is set. Aaron Gordon, go Cats. Will Barton, Andre Drummond, and, of course, Zach Levine, last year's champion. Uh, I mean, to me, I think Gordon's kind of the obvious challenger 
to Levine. I mean, a guy who is about as as high of a riser as it gets. A little bit of a bigger guy, but still not in the Drummond type of category where you worry about just being a little too cumbersome to do some of the athletic type of dunks that we'll see from guys like Levine. But uh, I mean, what is your overall opinion on this this four guy field? Uh, I kind of like Barton in there just because he's having a, a really nice kind of breakout year, and this is a good opportunity for people to kind of familiarize themselves with him. I actually think he might be my pick if I were to pick someone other than Levine just because it's it's so hard to be creative these days. Like every dunk's basically been done, and I think the level of difficulty for a guy Gordon's size versus the level of difficulty for a guy Barton's size to, to kind of put on a show is is a little bit different, but I, I definitely don't think Drummond has a chance, and I don't know why he would have wanted to participate in this. I mean, he's kind of gotten to the point where he should sort of view himself as above uh, dunk contests and you know big men typically unless they dress up and and play Halloween don't don't typically win these things right exactly that's the thing like for Drummond to have success here it's gonna have to be some sort of gimmick I would think right I mean he he's a great athlete for the position for sure but I mean he I just don't know how he can match with with any of these three other guys just I mean he's a he's a good in-game dunker I guess you know for a center but I don't know if he's a great contest dunker, and you, I think you can say that about the other three. I mean, Gordon won the the McDonald's dunk contest in high school against a pretty strong field, and you know that's that is what it is. Um, Barton, we know, is a great athlete, and we I obviously like, saw. I like the McDonald's dunk contest more than I like. Oh yeah, the NBA. <laughs> well yeah, they don't. There's no props. There's yeah. no. There's no fuss. Anything like that. And all the best dunk, all the best players and dunkers do it. You know, like yeah, it's, it's yeah exactly, and. The thing that worries me about Levine, um, you know, because I just care so deeply about this, I'm, I'm worried as the dunk contest approaches, is that he, he set such a high standard last year that he, he's going to be held, I think, to maybe a higher bar than the rest of these guys he, are. He'll, he, he'll win, I think. I think he'll barring, win as long as he makes the dunk. Barring something just crazy from Barton or Gordon, it's just it's got it's going to be so difficult for those guys right. to look better than Levine. So I mean, I, I think if you're going to put money on this, I'd, I'd go go Levine. And Oladipo had some pretty insane dunks in last year's contest that nobody even remembered. I mean, most years, some of the things that Oladipo done would would probably win you the contest. You know, from '06 through 2012, kind of the dark ages of the dunk contest. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. The three point shootout we talked about in the last we podcast. Should, who we, we want to see? Watch. We should maybe watch these together. On on that Saturday, I would like that. I, I'm I'm surprised that you're even going to be watching them. This doesn't seem like something that you'd be interested in. Yeah, this is this is I I love All Star Saturday Night. Really? Okay, great. So do I. There's there seems to be a general apathy toward it. I think people were kind of beaten down by those those poor dunk contests for so long. We'll report back on uh, on our takeaways from that. On okay, that's next weekend already. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be prepared. Uh, all right, so let's talk. We want to talk about a couple prospects. This is something we haven't done over the last few podcasts, uh, but what we have in the past. So a guy that – are you writing about Buddy Heald right now? That should yeah. be up on the site tomorrow? Uh, probably tonight. Hopefully tonight. Uh, have you written on Henry Ellenson? Yeah, that, okay. that went up last week. I did a, a piece on Ellenson and then also Diamond Stone. In that piece, we've talked about Stone, so right. no need to go over that. But Ellenson is – He's sort of your prototypical stretch four, and in a class like this, that that's probably enough for him to go in the maybe back half of the top ten. I don't see much upside there. Like it's, 
you know, he moves fairly well for a guy that's 6'10". Um, he moves better than you than you would think just kind of looking at him. I mean, he's he is white, and he and he definitely looks white. Yeah, so, he definitely looks white. So, <laughs> so that like, is a fact. Uh, it's it's kind of surprising <laughs> to see him go coast to coast, but uh, you know he's yeah he's a really pure shooter. I mean he's got range and he's got a really nice mid range game too. So it's it's not just three point shooting. I mean he can offer some stuff from fifteen feet as well. So I, I think he's. A pretty safe bet to, to occupy a role like that. I think you threw out a Josh McRoberts comp. I kind of like that one a bit more than any of the others that were kind of popping into my head just because he is he does have a little bit of playmaking ability uh, and he's and he's a bit better athlete I think than than you might think. Although we were tr- I was trying to find a video of him dunking and it was it was awfully hard <laughs> to find. Uh, he's he very, won't be in the dunk contest. He's very content to just lay it up, even though he's six ten. So uh, he only dunks when nobody's watching. From what I've yeah, heard, when, when I say like he's a good athlete, I mean like he just his ability to kind of well at six ten two thirty and like, do he's got some like nifty he, he can make some nifty passes right. in the lane and stuff like that. He's he's not a high flyer at all. Uh, I think so. he's a high flyer relative to what you'd think he would be, and like you know, yeah. you, you don't want to throw the race card out there, but you don't. You see a six ten guy. I mean, the guy looks like Brian Butch basically, but he can right. he can move a lot better than people expect. So he's not a, he's not a high end athlete by any means, but I think for his size. So like all this said, like I, I think it's it's fair to have him maybe as a you know mid to late lottery pick, but I I do think he's a little overrated on on the boards I've seen. Uh, you know he's he's seventh on Draft Express, ahead of guys like Ivan Rab, who we talked about, uh, well ahead of Buddy Heald, who we're about to talk about. Well, have him ahead of Furkan Korkmaz too, which yeah, is just I mean, crazy. That's a slap in the face to, <laughs> to Furkan Korkmaz. Uh, I'd be I'd be kind of pissed off. Yeah, him. But, not a guy you want to upset. <laughs> uh, it really is. It's kind of we're going to talk about Heald. I think he kind of factors into to this mix, but. You know, outside the top five or six guys, I think you just kind of take whoever you like the most, whoever your scouts like the most, like because all like anyone from like seven to like twenty five probably has the same yes. chance of becoming. Uh, yeah, I was gonna just piggyback player. basically that same point. Once you get past the top five or six, it's gonna be a crapshoot, and some of them are probably gonna play fewer than a hundred games in the NBA. Some of them some could of them go on to be... play fewer than like twenty games, right? <laughs> So Draft Express still has Scal ahead of Allenson. Who goes first on draft night? Not who should go first, but who goes first of those two? Uh, I kind of, I still kind of think Scal actually. He's he's looked slightly better uh, lately. I just honestly think that there's going to be maybe ten or twelve teams that look at this as like a four-player draft. And they're gonna just be like, well, we didn't get a top four pick. Let's roll the dice on Scal. Like we we've been scouting him for a few years. Like maybe they didn't like how how Kentucky was using him. I mean, it, there's there are people that think that way in the NBA. Like they're gonna be like, well, if we don't get Simmons, Ingram, Bender, or, or Dunn, then we're just gonna take Scal because that's the only other guy that we see yeah. having the potential to be like a, a top three or four player on a on a good team. So. I think that that is gonna. It's gonna be interesting though. A lot could a lot could change between now and then. You know, if if Scal really stinks it up in the tournament or something like that, and and just gets manhandled uh, by 
by some lesser guys or or if he maybe he gets hot maybe he becomes a you know back into like being a 20 25 minute a game guy for them and they go to like the elite eight or something like that maybe that pushes him back into the the mix in the top three so a lot can change between now and then i just think people are going to look at ellinson's ceiling or lack thereof and go with scow yeah that's the thing about I, I like that point that if you're if you're a team drafting in the high lottery and you're you don't necessarily if you have the you know that fifth or sixth pick you're willing to roll the dice a little bit more on a guy who has a much higher ceiling in the Bissier, but I don't know. I mean, I don't. He I has played just, slightly better. I just think this is I this think is either of them based on where like the people rank the the guys rank behind them. Like I, I would take Rab ahead of both of them, and I'd take Heald ahead of both of them. Yeah, so let's talk about Buddy Heald. Um, I mean, I think his numbers speak for himself or for themselves. You know what he's been able to do to. The celebrity of of Buddy Heald is kind of crazy. Ever since that Kansas game, uh, I think his his profile nationally has really blown up. This is a guy who hasn't really changed his game much. I mean, he's always kind of been a gunner. It's, he's just doing it so much more efficiently. Yeah, he, he's skills growth. His game's changed a lot. Right, uh, but you're right. Like, I mean, the flaws that he showed last year of of kind of being a gunner are not flaws at all anymore because he's right. hitting threes at almost being a gunner in itself is usually typecasted as a flaw but if you're hitting 52 percent of your threes it's yeah. not a flaw whatsoever i mean he's playing he's basically playing the steph curry style of he, basketball at the college level and he like i've heard those comps from people not like saying he's the next steph curry but saying he's the college basketball version of steph curry and I, I was kind of offended by those at first, but the more you kind of look at the numbers, the more you kind of look at uh, just how willing he is to take and make tough threes in the flow of the offense. Like it's not, it's not like he's taking these crazy contested threes at the end of the shot clock. He's just taking them, you know, middle of the shot clock and hitting them. I mean, that's very Steph Curry like. So I definitely kind of am on board with that comp in college. Uh, just in the way that he's impacting the game and the way that he plays, but obviously he doesn't have that kind of a ceiling in the NBA. So healed, if you look at a lot of mocks, is you know maybe as high as eleven, twelve. Uh, you know some places might throw him into the into the single digits, but oftentimes, I mean, Draft Express, so he's sitting at number seventeen for the mean. The mean uh, average of where he's at on Draft Express, ESPN, and NBADraft.net is. Uh, 13 and the median is 14 so like they're basically saying you know the the consensus online at least is that he's barely a lottery pick and like we talked about with this draft that just doesn't jive to me like I, I look at you know I think it's it's worth debating whether you take Chris Dunn or Buddy Heald just because I think yeah uh, I think Heald's top trait or top skill shooting is better than any of dunn's top traits uh banking you know, in three-pointers <laughs> bricking in 15 footers to, <laughs> to win the game he has, um, he has more shots that have hit the back of the rim yeah, completely stalled and just can. rolled in than anyone uh, yeah so i i think most teams would take dunn over healed uh, especially given the fact that he's a uh, plus defender and he and he's going to be a point guard and and all that but 
I think Heald really should be in the mix for for a top five spot. I mean, I don't know what he has to do production wise. It's off the charts. I mean, you look at we, you and I before the podcast look back at what Curry and Thompson did their senior years, and you know it's hard to compare. There's so much variation in the in playing styles, um, you know, in college basketball. But I mean, he's shooting 13 percent better from from three than Curry and Thompson were on similar volume. It's crazy, and the attention that he's receiving from defenses. He's doing this at a, at a big time school, you know, number one team in the country. I'd, I don't know what else he has to do. Right. What is the biggest knock? Is it just the size that's keeping him out of the top five? Well, like, so, yeah, yeah, like, okay, that's a couple points there. Like, all these three-pointers he's making, it's not, they're not open looks. They're very much contested looks because everyone knows that he's the best shooter and the best scorer in the country. So it's it's not like he's just, you know, building up all these fake stats. And then the 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 comparison I made in, in the article is, like, People are maybe going to ding him because of his age. Like he's 22 years old. He'll be 23 uh, shortly into his rookie season. But Kaminsky was a top 10 pick last year, and he was 22. So, and that draft class was much better than this one. So, if if Kaminsky can go in the top 10, I don't get why Buddy Heald isn't projected to go there. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, that is a good question because potential wise, age wise, like everything he, he's not a great athlete but he can handle the ball like he's not a guy that's just a catch and shoot guy he can set teammates up like he's he's a gunner because he's good enough to be a gunner but he also makes the right pass when when stuff's not there for him right and he you know he he works works his ass off i mean he's not going to be a great defender, but he's not going to be a guy that's not trying to defend. He's not going to be J.R. Smith or Nick Young type of gunner. Right. No, no, no. He doesn't have that same mindset. He's got a, yeah, he's got a good motor. You know, right. He's not, he's a good team. Coach's kid. Like you know. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. he? I don't know. Maybe he is. I just, I just um, think like there's no, like the floor with him is like a seventh man that you bring in for shooting, I feel. Like, like you were saying, like, right. he's shooting 52% from beyond the arc right now. He could regress like all the way to like forty percent, and that's twelve percentage point drop. You know, I mean, that's that's still well above average. So, uh, yeah, I I just don't really see the case for a guy like like Jakob Pertl. Everyone seems to think is a consensus top ten pick. Like I I could see him being out of the league in a year or two. Uh, Jamal Murray even. People seem to think like you know he's he's this highly touted freshman that that gives him a leg up over Heald. He maybe maybe can play point guard. I don't really buy that, uh, but I mean, <laughs> that's part of it too. Is the expectations coming in? Like, what if Jamal Murray swapped stats with Buddy Heald? Like, Jamal Murray would be consensus top three. Yeah, yeah. Like, there'd be people making the case for and taking the s- Murray over Simmons, but right. Uh, you know, healed is what you hope Murray becomes. Like he's already become that. So yeah, and like you said, the regression aspect. Even if you even if you say. Let's chop ten percentage points off of his three point percentage. He's still shooting forty two percent from three, and he's not a guy that I think should be dinged for his age because it's not like he was some like really highly touted prospect that just kind of uh, floundered in college and is forced to kind of come out because his four years are done, and you just kind of hope that uh, that pedigree is sort of still there. I mean, this is a guy that has completely changed what he is as a prospect from one year to the next, right? And he's been proved 
you know, incrementally since his sophomore year. I mean, this is a guy who came out two or three star recruit, depending on who you ask, coming into Oklahoma and gotten better every single year. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we're probably sounding like Buddy Heald fanboys, yeah. but it, it just really is hard to and pick apart and figure out why you would take him this late. It's I crazy. Hate, I hate this draft after the top, uh, you know, after Simmons and Ingram, you know, Dragon Bender, you know, he's, he's pretty skinny. I don't know. It, it depends. I, I haven't seen enough of him to have a have a good opinion on him. But Chris Dunn obviously is a pro. And then after those guys, like I don't see why Heal can't be the the fifth guy there. I mean, Jalen Brown's got a lot of weaknesses in his game. I mean, he's a better athlete, probably going to be a better defender, but uh, definitely got a lot of work to do on his shot. And then you know, go down the list. There's flaws with all these guys. I, I like Rab more than more than most of these guys, but I'd probably take Heal. Uh, to me, it's a toss-up between Dunn and Heald for, for who I would take fourth there. The thing about Heald is I think there's this there's this sense that he could never quite develop into a number one guy, whereas you look at Simmons, obviously uh, Ingram, and even Dunn as guys who could be your future you know, number one player, whereas Heald, I think he's typecast as a shooter to the point where... like Let's, let's compare Heald to like Bradley Beal. Like Beal, you know, great athlete, tons of pedigree... But look at what Beal's kind of become. Uh, you know, you can even take the injuries out of it. Like when he's healthy, don't you think Heald could maybe do just what Beal does when he's healthy? Like it, it seems like, you know, the fact that Heald's this senior and Beal was this highly touted freshman. Yeah. Uh, is kind of the big difference. I think that's the best comp for him. I think Heald's a pretty good athlete. He's not a great athlete. Beal's maybe a little bit better of an athlete, but he's not He's not limited athletically by any means. I think the size is a little bit of an issue, but he's 6'4 and a half. He's got a 6'8 and a half wingspan. I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for. I don't think that's... If he was 6'2 or even 6'3, then you start to wonder a little bit about that. But at worst, he's like your sixth man and a really, really good shooter off the bench. he be like the third best team or the third best player on a team that gets like the six seed in the East it, easily. It totally depends what kind of system he's in. He's a guy that would thrive in kind of that Harrison Barnes role that, that, that Barnes holds for the Warriors right now. You know, I don't, I think as, as a rookie, he could step in and, and do similar type of production there, but you know, two guards a week positions, right? So like, there's going to be a ton of teams. Picking <laughs> well, the nice place. thing is if he ends up going in the back end of the lottery, maybe he ends up in you know, New York or Washington or Indiana or a team that's already mm-hmm. you know, not in the complete basement where he can just kind of be a, an extra piece and maybe help them you know, kind of take that next step into you know, perennial playoff type of teams. So if there's any benefit, maybe it's that. I don't know. I mean, would be a good fit for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, he's a little. It would be a retread over Rashad Vaughn, but I don't think that you're really, I don't think you're really too concerned about that. He would be awesome on the Bucks as a as a floor spacer. Yeah, they need they need those. They do. All right, should we move? Yeah, on yeah, we'll get to. Uh, yeah, we have a couple questions we want to talk about. But first, quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Fantasy football may be winding down with the Super Bowl this Sunday, but DraftKings.com is not messing around, James Anderson. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy site where you can win enormous cash prizes every week. You already researched the players for your season-long fantasy team. Turn that knowledge into instant cash now at DraftKings.com. Last year, one player turned 11 bucks into 4000 in one weekend. Another one, 100 grand, his first time ever playing. This season alone, six players have won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Keep your season-long league where it is, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com to win huge cash this weekend. 
Head over to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, so random question time, grab bag question time. Um, First question, James, which team in the NBA is most in need of a uniform redesign? This is something that I think about daily. Yeah, well... I mean the our our eventual uniform podcast is kind of like the podcast version of Dr. Dre's Detox. Yes, it's just been you know <laughs> constantly pushed back, and and the people the hype yeah. for it, and you know people wonder if it's in the works or you it's know, in what, the works. You know, what's are we scrapping the beats for? Yeah, it? and then all of a sudden you hear that it's been it's been done for eight years, <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. Rick Rubin's got to come in yeah. for one final mix. Yeah, we might have to remix that, but uh, for me it's. My number one pick would be the Cavs, just because I I really don't I haven't liked anything they've done with their uniforms since uh, the mid '90s. So I, the light I, blue, yeah. black, okay. uh, and I, and that's those are probably objectively gross uniforms. Like if you didn't grow up in the '90s, I love them. I love every uniform from the '90s. Yeah, I, I have the I have the Kyrie version of um, those. But like I, I just don't. And the the reason it's the Cavs over some of these other teams is that the Cavs are on TV the most. I watch them more than these other teams. Um, they're going to be in the finals. I just would rather their jerseys look a bit better. I do. I really did not like the Cavs jerseys. Their new ones. I love the pre the first era LeBron unis. Those red and gold uh, with the big you know kind of big C Cleveland. I don't mind the the royal. Like the blue and maroon one. Oh yeah, like kind of Maryland stitching on the, you know the the lines on the uh, around the shoulders. Sure. Um, I didn't I didn't like the, I didn't even like the the normal like the standard home and road ones. For really? Those ones. Yeah. I, I like. Did you like, I the, didn't uh, like the script? I don't like the script. I don't, okay. I don't love the color. Did you like the navy blue ones with like the the red and kind of gold piping around? That's what I meant. Those were great. Yeah, those, those are great. Are, those are probably their best ones since the nineties. I would. Say. Yeah, those are those are incredible. I don't even go to those. I ca- yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are on that, but it seems weird that they wouldn't bring those back for for a game every now and then. I do love the the checkered ones they wore the other night. Uh, the yellow, red, and white ones. The current, the home and away, eh, the the bright yellow. And red is not a good combination, but the white and the white and maroon, or what they call it, wine, I guess. Yeah. The wine and maroon home uniforms are are pretty nice. I, yeah, I don't like those, but uh, you know, it's it's a lot of this is preference. I I wish that they would just change not only their uniforms but their color scheme. I don't I don't love the color scheme. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, who who's yours? Um, well, mine's Detroit. I think they've. They've been with that the same exact uniform design since what 2001, 2002. After ditching the horse, uh, dark red teal scheme, which at the time was atrocious, but in hindsight was kind of great. Uh, so I think Detroit just just in general, their, their uniforms aren't bad. They're just basic and boring, and it seems like teams try to time out these uniform changes as they kind of enter a new era of basketball. I mean, Cleveland changed the uniforms the year they drafted LeBron. They changed them the year LeBron left, things like that. Um, so I think, you know, as they actually solidify themselves as a legitimate basketball organization, maybe they could use a switch. I, I'm with you uh, to a certain extent, but I also think that their their uniforms fit very nicely as, like, the Detroit Pistons uniforms. Like, they're uh, kind I of mean, a, technically, yeah. I mean, they're, like... They're just kind of like a. They don't deserve good uniforms. Like, they're, like a, they're sort of. It's like a such a blue collar town. I think those are sort of blue collar uniforms. Like, they don't. 
They don't. The, the Pistons shouldn't have like flashy, like sweet, trendy. Uniforms. Nobody would have thought that about the Bucks, but look how those turned out. Those are excellent. <laughs> now, uh, now, what uniforms I I uh, love actually that were recently revamped are the Raptors uniforms. I, I those like turned those. out better. The, like the designs that came out over the se- over the summer looked really basic, but they they're nice. They are very they're, nice. They're real clean. We can agree that the Clippers need to do something about that <laughs> they were revamped last summer but everyone knows that that was a disaster has there ever been a worse reaction to jerseys <clears throat> that's something like some people care about this Why stuff some people don't scrap like scrap it like everyone hated it everyone like you still had time to like change it like, yep they they announced it like this time uh, and they i mean they're such a cool team and they have you know it's just a, it's just a shame to see that crap design on a jersey worn by lance stevenson I mean, that looks like it, it literally looks like a seventh grader might have designed that it, yeah, in, in yeah, like, like Microsoft like Paint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have the Rockets on your list. I kind of agree. I don't love... I don't... Their sleeves are too I just, wide. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah. That's a problem. That's terrible. Um, the only thing worse than that are the, the full sleeve ones that the Warriors... Uh, oh, wear. yeah. Uh, but the, the Rockets are on there for me just because I love the two uh, versions before this. The, oh, boy. The, the Hakeem had, like the... The ones that they won the the finals in, like the Drexler Hakeem team. So kind of the italics, Rockets and Houston on the front, right. just red and white with a little yellow. Yeah, I love those. And then I actually think that the the ones that they had with like Scottie Pippen and Charles Barkley that are just really in your face. Steve I think, Francis. I think those are actually kind of pretty. Those nice. are nice. So, I just don't. I think these ones are just a major step down from those, and that's why I also have. They need to wear those those throwbacks. Yeah. I don't know if they ever have. Not, not that I can remember in the in the Harden era, at least. Uh, we both have the Pelicans on our list. I don't mind their design. The, the font is just too small. They they went like three sizes too small on the on the New Orleans and the Pelicans on the front. It the design is fine. I don't like that there's no piping on the sleeves though. That's an issue for me. Yeah, I just think that they're not they're not that cool. Do you think they should have an actual pelican on it, kind of like the the old Raptors jerseys? I just go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if I'm a, like a be wings on the back, kid, like, and I want like an Anthony Davis jersey, like you got to give me something better than that. And that's that's kind of how I feel about the Cavs too. Like, I'm yeah, a LeBron jersey, give me something it's so basic. Yeah, really... teams teams tend to go basic rather than make a splashy. You can be basic if you're like the Bulls and have something that's awesome. Like, yeah, it's timeless. But like, if you're but is it timeless only because Jordan made it timeless? Well, I think like the Blazers are timeless. And yeah. Really made well, the Blazers are so unique. Those are great. Those are the best in the league, I think. Yeah. And like, obviously, I mean, I I don't think the I think the Bulls are just great by themselves. I think the Lakers are timeless because yep. of the players that have played. And there. Boston, I think, in some respect, the Lakers. Like, I think you could make a case the Lakers jerseys would suck if they didn't yeah. have like this. Great I like them better when they had the the shadow font on the numbers. Yeah, I, the new ones aren't nearly as cool. Yeah. The Celtics and the Bulls jerseys are basically the exact same, but I, different I like colors, those. right? I mean, they're just. Yeah, classic. they can't ever change them. It's like the Packers, you know, they can't, they can never do that. Um, all right, enough uniform talk. Next question, we're going to go in a completely different direction. What is the most egregious draft blunder of the last 10 years? And to be clear, we're talking, you know, at the time, uh, a pick that resonates now still as a, as a terrible pick, but at the time was a terrible pick. So, for example, you wouldn't say taking Odin over Durant because at the time that was the I smart mean, move well, and the right no, move. No, I don't. So I would have taken Durant over Odin, but like, it was close. It was debatable. Like nobody, yeah. nobody was like, "Oh, I can't believe they took Odin." Like, I mean, there were people making the case for Durant over Odin, right. but it wasn't like 
well, if you don't, you're screwed. It was like... You know, Odin was also pretty good when he played. That was the other thing. It was like a 52... If you liked Durant more than Odin, it was like 52-48. It wasn't you couldn't, like you couldn't make a definitive case that one was for sure the pick. So, yeah, I mean, I, w- I like Durant a bit more, but, uh, you know, I, I, you can't fault him for that. Do you want me to name, like, my worst, worst, worst one, or should we build up to that? Uh, you can you can do it however you want. I kind of went the same way. I thought I would be able to look through these drafts and just pick one out, but I have a list I, of I mean, 12. I know what I think the worst one is. I'll just start All right, with start with that. And Go with whatever you, you want to do. It's a very... It's almost an impossible blender to duplicate because of just the, the amount of picks they had and what they did with those picks in the first round. And it's the, the 2009 uh, Timberwolves draft where they they took Rubio at five, they took Johnny Flynn at six, Ugh. and then they took Ty Lawson at 18 and traded him to Denver for, like, I forget what that package was, but it was basically... It wasn't nothing. a good one. Um, so you take... and Okay, so you take... First of all, you take Rubio at five. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. And you, you have a point guard there. But it, this is such a deep point guard draft that... You know, what, whatever. You take Ruby at five. And then you take, you're like, well, we need to get another point guard at six <laughs> for whatever reason because Rubio might not come over. Uh, so let's take Johnny Flynn. Meanwhile, Steph Curry's on the board. DeMar DeRozan's on the board. Brandon Jennings is on the board. A uh, lot of guys on the board. Uh, Drew Holiday, Ty Lawson, Jeff Teague. A lot of point guards available. Did you say Curry? That was that was the Curry draft, right? Yeah. Curry, yeah. Was, Curry went seven then to the Warriors. So... The Flynn pick at six might be the worst pick of the past 10 years just by itself, but I think it just gets its so much worse when you factor in that they also then took Lawson at 18 and traded him. The best of those three, arguably, right. at his peak. Yeah, like, you know, over the past... Rubio's since, been fine. Since this draft, Ty Lawson has been by far the better player given games played and everything like that. So the one guy that they should have kept was the one guy they traded... And they took, like, Flynn, like, so if you take Rubio, and he's basically your, your point guard of the future, and then you want to take another point guard at six, shouldn't you be taking uh, a guy with, like, crazy high upside that you can afford to sort of swing and miss on? You would think. Because like, you have Curry available. You have Brandon Jennings available, who I, I liked a lot at 10 for the Bucks. Um and then, yeah, like I said, Holiday, Lawson, Teague. I mean, there were Darren Collison was a way better NBA player than than uh, Johnny Flynn, and he went in this draft too. Oh, this is awful to look back at for it's, for the Wolves. To me, that was that that night by David Kahn was the worst night uh, GMs had in in the draft in the past. So, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but didn't Rubio not? really want to go to minnesota in the first place it was kind of a ye milwaukee situation yeah. we'll get to that trust me um but he kind of said you know i'll go but i one he didn't come over until another year right. he would have he didn't want to go he would have come over right away if it yes. been a different team yes um i think he almost kind of bought that extra year hoping that they would sour on him a little bit and deal him yeah i think so, um i don't know it's just, it's so, the Flynn pick is just so bad, and just the, all the layers to it, like what they did before it and what they did after it in this draft, just make it worse. Like, the other thing is, that, so they take Lawson at 18, and at that point, you know, you've already had, you already have two point guards in the docket there. Why do you take another point guard? Why? I mean... You take him and then trade him. This was like one of the best point guard drafts, like, yeah. of, of, you know, 
maybe the past 20 years. Or right. Something. I mean, you look at how many so, how many starting point guards are there in the league right now from this I, draft. I, I mean, get, a ton. So I get the, the taking Lawson and then dealing him at 18 makes a ton of sense if you hit on that Flynn pick. Like if you take if you take Curry there, I think they thought they hit on the Flynn <laughs> pick. Like we don't need this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, we got Johnny Flynn, man. Yeah, like, but they traded him to Denver for a future first, which ended up being the next year. Johnny Flynn, and they Johnny, take Luke Babbitt. Johnny Flynn, by the way, six feet tall. So like, it's taller than Ty Lawson. Even if you, yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, David Kahn must have just watched that six OT Syracuse game and just been like. I gotta get me one of these. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't grab Devendorf at, <laughs> at 18. Um, but yeah, that's that's my least favorite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any other honorable mentions? So yeah, I, I got a few of those. Uh, so we can even just go. Uh, I'll stick with the T wolves really quick. Let's go. To, <laughs> we'll, let's do, we'll, we'll do a whole separate podcast about T wolves drafts. Let's go to 2010. Uh, <laughs> the, the next. The let's next, move ahead one year. Next year they took Wesley Johnson at four over Cousins at five. Um, that one was. Everybody, everybody knew that Cousins might be the second most talented player in that draft behind Wall, and he slipped for like, you know, people wondering character, about his character, all that stuff. But like Wesley Johnson, you know, what was the best case scenario? He was twenty three coming in. Like, yeah, that was that was just really bad. Um, now I want to point out that a lot of people never mention this. Like everyone acts like the Warriors are just some organization that never made mistakes back in the this day. This is bad. They took Ekpe Udo at six. So, like, right after... You can't say that, like, they're geniuses because they took Steph Curry at seven. Everyone would have taken Curry at seven, I think. And then the next year, they the same people took Udo at six. So I right. think you have to, like, acknowledge that they... They maybe got a little lucky with Curry there, and they also like, tried to trade Curry right. for El or instead of Ellis. We got to remember now, that the Udo one to me isn't nearly as bad as as Johnson over Cousins because I didn't I wasn't super high on anyone that went after Udo in that draft no. at the time. Uh, even though guys like Paul George and Gordon Hayward were among Paul them. George is an, is such an anomaly. Like no one thought he would be so what then he is. A couple others that that stand out to me over the past ten years. I I like Danny Granger a lot going into the draft in two thousand five. He went seventeenth uh, behind a, a horde of guys that I didn't like at all. Um, Bledsoe, I like Derek Bledsoe a lot in two thousand ten. I thought yep. he should have been a top ten pick. He ended up going eighteen. I thought the Thunder should have grabbed him. Um, Trying to remember. Well, they did take him and they traded him. So they took. Right, right, yeah. The Thunder took him and traded him. I thought he would have been a great six. He man, would have been like awesome. Reggie Jackson, yes, to, uh, like a better version of Reggie Jackson, really. And um, you know, his his destiny might have been just sixth man on a really good team. I thought that would have been a perfect fit, and they they whiffed on that. Uh, and then. Let's see Thomas Robinson over Harrison Barnes in 2012. Like Barnes doesn't really become a superstar or anything like that, but I didn't like Robinson, and I thought Barnes at least had a. Thomas Robinson was an more. egregious pick. Yeah. No one thought he was going to turn. I mean, what did they trade him a month or two into the into his rookie year? He was on three teams in his first year. Yeah, Portland, Sacramento, and somebody. Yeah, that was terrible. I mean, you you just take Barnes there. I just don't really get why you wouldn't take right. Barnes there. Um, and Barnes had a disappointing ye- yeah, sophomore year, like, I guess. At least but, you know that he's just going to be an NBA player. He's been exactly what right. he's expected to be, right? And and then uh, Draymond in the second round. Um, I didn't think he should be a lottery pick, but I liked him as like a you know fifteen to twenty range type of guy, just based on the fact that I thought he'd be like a solid seventh yeah. man in in the league. 
Going back to that Bledsoe pick real quickly. So OKC takes him at 18, flips him to the Clippers for a future first, which turned into Fab Mello. Yep. Which I don't know what I don't know what OKC's cap or roster situation was at that point. Maybe they didn't maybe they didn't have room for him or something, but that's a blunder, that's I think. A pretty, that's, that's a pretty a really, big blunder. No, that was bad. And like I didn't understand it at all. Like it's like you Bledsoe was awesome why for Kentucky. One Bledsoe on that team. I mean, yeah, he was great. Um, and then I'll I'll just throw out uh, Winslow ten this year and Booker thirteen this past draft. I didn't. I thought both of those guys. Is that more of a team's passing on Winslow or a Charlotte passing on four first round picks to take Kaminsky over Winslow? Uh, I just think like after Porzingis, Winslow should have every team that passed on him from then on. He should have. I thought the Knicks should have taken him over Porzingis. So, I mean, it's not like I've, I'm bragging about yeah. these, but, like, I thought I thought that highly of Winslow. So every team that passed on him before 10, I thought, made a mistake. Someday there's going to be a 30 for 30 involving Winslow, whether it's about him or not, and there's going to be some B-roll footage of Michael Jordan on the phone just <laughs> shaking his head yeah. now, like, we, need, we, need, well, we need Frank. And Booker, honestly, looks like he might end up being a better NBA player Booker looks Winslow. incredible. So, like, I thought Booker should have been a top 10 pick. You know, we might look back in five years and think he should have been a top five. Pick. Right, exactly. Um, so I had a lot of those, as you'd imagine. I mean, the Wolves, the Wolves one, I think, is probably the king. Uh, Ekpe Udo, like you said. Yeah, I mean, taking Deion Waiters and Thomas Robinson over Lillard, Barnes, Drummond. Uh, but all three of those guys, I mean, Barnes kind of never really lived up to expectations. Drummond was terrible in his one year at UConn. That was a full potential pick. And then Lillard still had the small like, school tag on him. I'll, I'll admit I liked Waiters coming into that draft, so I didn't hate that. I, I'm with you on the Robinson one, though. Yeah, I mean, Robinson, Christ. Um, what can you really say? Uh, Jimmer Fredette over Clay Thompson. I mean, that, that was terrible. I forgot about that one. Evan Turner going two over Favors and Cousins. I didn't hate that. I hated that. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I, Nobody liked Evan Turner. I, that was the thing. Like People hated him in college. I was wrong about – I guess I was wrong about Turner – um, that's probably where I'm like, that's my blind spot. I think on prospects is guys like Evan Turner or guys like Derek Williams, who, uh, kind of those wings that just their game isn't going to translate, but they, yeah. they look like they don't give you a reason not to like them in college. <laughs> that's the thing. Um, what is What about this Pacers trading draft night Kawhi for George Hill? I so, mean, in, in hindsight, that looks a lot worse than it was at the at, time. At the time, I honestly didn't like, I mean, that was probably like Kawhi and Porzingis are probably the two guys I've been most wrong about. Although the Kawhi thing, like I, I just thought Kawhi might be like a seventh or eighth man, um, give you good defense off the bench type of guy because he didn't shoot like anywhere near this in college. No, and I honestly think if he had gone to, say, he goes to like the Kings or something like that, like there's no guarantee that he ever becomes yep. much of anything. I think he, I think going to the Spurs has benefited him a ton. Uh, 08, there's a couple. I mean, Beasley going two to a Miami team that usually doesn't do things Beasley like this. Beasley was a monster in college. He was, but I, he had the marijuana thing at the draft combine. Like he, I just feel like that was a, a forced pick. Like Miami felt like they had to take him because his numbers were so good. And that was doomed pretty early. Yeah. I mean, Westbrook went four in that one. Even O.J. Mayo was pretty good for four or five years. People, he went three. Like, I loved Westbrook going into that draft, but people thought taking him at four was a reach. You know, like I, Oh, yeah. I mean, That's I true. I mean, wasn't he didn't everyone, even start a game for UCLA that year, did he? would have taken Beasley at two, I think. Like, yeah, I guess. He I mean, led he, the league in, he led the country everything. in points and rebounds and like was a top five prospect, too. You know, coming Yeah. Up, so. Just think if they go Kevin Love there. 
that'd be interesting. A, a little bit of a run with Wade and Love. Um, a couple other ones I had. Let's see. Um, what about dealing LaMarcus Aldridge for Tyrus Thomas, the Bulls? I like Tyrus Thomas, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I, I, okay. He's a freaky athlete, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I That one didn't, like, stand out to me as, like, a crazy trade at the time. It obviously it ended up being a pretty bad trade, but... Yeah, I think it did. But I, I don't... I don't know how many people were were people hating on that trade at the time. I don't remember. Tyrus I was Thomas like was, I was like twelve. Tyrus Thomas was the best athlete in that draft. Like, oh was, yeah, he was. A f- and hadn't LSU just gone to the Final yeah, Four? Yeah. So that was that big baby. Big baby and Tyrus. Thomas. Yeah, yeah, big baby. What a boss. <laughs> um, Ye at six to Milwaukee. This one I don't. You don't follow the pick because you look who was taken after him. It's Corey Brewer, Brandon Wright. That's why I didn't include. I didn't include that one, and I didn't include Joe Alexander just because that those drafts were so bad after those picks that like it's not easy to sit there and say they should have done this or they right the only thing with that is ye had made it explicitly clear that he did not want to play in milwaukee right. milwaukee knew that and they took him anyway yeah. and it, of course it ended up like it did I yeah. think that that's what really kills me about it it's not that they missed anyone else it's mm-hmm. that they just knowingly put themselves in a bad situation uh and then the last one i wanted to ask you about was 2005 bucks lucked their way into the first pick i still remember i was in the car driving to go mini golfing with my dad when I heard on the radio that they got the first pick, and I remember freaking out uh, in Darboy, Wisconsin, excited, and excited about the boat. Andrew Bogut, it's coming to Milwaukee. Um, so Bogut, Marvin Williams, Darren Williams, Chris Paul, and Raymond Felton, who I saw on Twitter a couple weeks ago when they were the Mavs were on TV. Someone tweeted, "Raymond Felton's got that pug physique," which is so true when you when you look at him side to side with a pug. Um, so the Bucks taking Bogut, I'm fine with that. That was the pick at the time. Nobody really questioned it, whatever. But Atlanta going Marvin Williams, and and to be fair, Marvin Williams was considered at number one as well. But this Atlanta team goes Marvin Williams at two over Darren Williams and Chris Paul, who for the next five or six years, we're kind of jocking it out or jockeying for the, you know, top three, four point guard in the league. You look at who's on this roster at the time for Atlanta. And I just, I don't understand. They needed a point guard, right? Yeah. So I didn't include this one just because at the time I didn't hate it. Uh, Marvin Williams to me out of, out of Bogut Williams, D will and CP three Williams to me had the, best chance of becoming like a superstar just based on his athleticism based on his size position all that stuff i thought cp3 and d will would be good starting point guards but not like franchise point guards cp had he had two more inches on him would have been the number one pick no problem i think he was that good but he also it's it's this is so long ago that it seems crazy. He was a, char- a bad character guy in some respects coming out because didn't he get suspended for I punching still, a guy I in the still, groin? I still think he's kind of a, a dick on the court. Right, more of a dick. Maybe not a bad character guy, but like, but there was that question mark. He, yeah, no, he, he was suspended he's, he's late in that dirty. season. Yeah, yeah he was. it was kind of oh. like, a, do we want this guy? But look at this next season. So Marvin Williams' rookie year on the Hawks. They already have Joe Johnson, Al Harrington, Josh Smith. Three guys who are arguably small forwards. Why are you taking Marvin Williams? The point guards that year, this is sorting by game started. Tyron Lou, 10. Uh, Salim Stoudemire started a game at point guard. Royale Ivy started 66 games at point guard. You have a glaring need at point guard, and you just take another a fourth small forward. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think they were just trying to hit a home run there. Yep. Um, the, I think the, the D-Will CP3 thing is kind of a, a cautionary tale of 
downgrading point guards based on like a lack of athleticism. Like I think you you look at guys like John Wall, uh, and it's you know Derrick Rose. It's easy to see those guys becoming stars because of their athleticism, but that's not all it takes to be a, a superstar point guard. Like guys like D. Will, CP3, never you know, above the rim guys at all, but they were just so good at everything else. Darren Williams was kind of borderline fat in yeah. college. No, I, I think he's he's always carried a little bit of, he's always been a little, a little beefy. Yeah. Um, and I think you got to, it's not always going to, I mean, you guys like DJ Augustine, like, you know, he, he sucks, but like, Whoa. there's, there's point guards that are going to emerge in the draft that are going to end up being uh, star point guards that aren't super athletes. All right, last one. True or false, Luke Walton is a head coach next season. Yep, Lakers. Lakers? Yep. All right. Other other possible destinations? I mean, the Wolves, you would think, slash hope, come calling. Uh, the Nets, they're in an interim situation. I put the Kangs on here just because you never know. I think they they would probably prefer to go forth with George Carl, but given the, this organization's recent history, who knows? And then I think the Suns will probably make a run at him too. Well, I think the Suns might actually like Earl Watson. Uh, I could see him actually hanging on to that job. Yeah. Uh, I think you got to throw the... I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think you got to throw the Knicks in there, just given the Phil Jackson connection. Yep. Um, they might keep Fisher, but well, I I just don't see him turning down that Lakers job if he gets offered it. Given the the young core, he just strikes me as a guy that like in really enjoys. Well, it's a, yeah, and that it's a, it's a copycat league in a lot of ways. I mean, every team's going to want to be you know that next Golden State type mm-hmm. of system, and I think that's going to help him out a lot. He'll be like a good like Luke Walton's the type of guy that you want coaching. People like Russell and yes, Randall. exactly. Uh, the the T Wolves would love to have him too for that reason. It's just I just don't know if those teams like so. You think it's an obvious hire, right, for the Lakers? But I mean, are they just using Byron Scott as just their guy that is going to be willing to just do all the stupid stuff they want to do with Kobe this yes. year? And then I hundred percent believe that. So. Do you think do you think Byron Scott knows he's getting fired at the end of the year? Does he know that he's like there as long as Kobe's there and then he's gone? I don't I don't know. He's certainly not coaching like it or is he? I don't know. I don't know. No, like I don't know if does Sam Mitchell know that he's Sam Mitchell and his and his know, like, black earrings. Yeah, I don't know. Um Yeah, I don't think I think both of those guys come from the you know, the 90s NBA where it's tough love and it's just not working. It's so obviously not working and they just won't back down. There's so much pride involved in both those situations, I guess. But I think they're both fillers and they're both gone this offseason. All right. Do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. It's used by more than 75 million people worldwide. Wix makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer, nor do you need to be a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, James Anderson, it has to be easy. That's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it is easy, and it's also free. Go to Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com, to create your own website today. The result is stunning. So we forgot to do this on the last podcast, but the movie quiz 
is back. Um, so if, if, if you're not familiar with how this works, I have not watched movies. I have a very limited knowledge of most popular movies. So in order to exploit that, uh, we've decided for James to name a movie. And I have to say, one, whether or not I've seen it. Uh, with the answer expected to be no, I then have to try to describe what I think the movie is about based on the title and based on anything that I might know or have heard about the movie. So what do we have today? All right. Uh, start you off with a what I would imagine is a softball. I would imagine the, the list. Don't patronize also, me. But also think this. Uh, so I won't be surprised if you say you have seen it. Uh, similarly, I won't be surprised if you say you haven't because I won't be surprised if you say you haven't seen any movie. Uh, so the first one is the film titled The Rock. Uh, never heard of it. Never heard of it. All right. So uh, is this a, like a like a biopic of The Rock, the wrestler? Uh, Slash, well, I shouldn't even say he's more than a wrestler at this point. He's more of an, more are of an actor. Are you asking me or are you telling me? Oh, I guess I should be telling <laughs> you. So this is a biopic about The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And uh, it's... You know, kind of a, a coming of age type of tale with him. You know, it starts, you know, humble beginnings, <laughs> football player. Right. Yeah. A coming of age documentary. Um, and, you know, he goes like through his times, his time in Miami. And, you know, and they, they actually call him The Rock, not because he's such a big guy. It was because um, he used to be able to pick up rocks and, and they would go fishing down in Miami and he could just he could throw the rock so hard that he could just pick fish out of the water with rocks. So that's where he actually got the nickname. Uh, and then we all know, you know, he, he went on to professional wrestling. Now he's a, an A-list actor uh, known for such movies as Fast 6, Fast 7, uh, as well as Fast 8, 9, and 10, which are now coming. Uh, and also, what was it, San Andreas? Yeah, yeah. The cult classic San Andreas. So, yeah, it's a documentary. And it's one that I haven't seen yet, but it's on the list. Um. I, I want to mention also that after th- we didn't do it last week, but uh, come on, he got Waylon got speed. He had seen speed, uh, which I found very shocking. But then he also did not know uh, who Keanu Reeves was. Like he had seen speed, but didn't know who Keanu Reeves was, uh, which I which I found I heard of him. Um, <laughs> found pretty funny. Uh, do you want to do another one? Yeah, feed me. Man, so if you didn't know The Rock, <laughs> you got to pick real movies. These aren't real movies. I was gonna, I, I was gonna, I had some like ones similar to The Rock that were more maybe more obscure. Um, You're gonna need to go much less obscure. All right, <laughs> we're so, talking like blockbuster type of movies that we need to be going with. Have you seen Con Air? I have not seen Con Air, but I know it's something to do with airplanes, right? I'm picturing it as like a, when I think of Con Air, I think of it being like a Mad Men, and I've never seen Mad Men either, but I picture it being like a Mad Men setup where it's set in the, you know, in the 50s, 60s, oh, at sure. the time that airplanes are kind of, you're really starting to make kinda their like mark. Right, yeah, exactly. Like so, um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's about a flight attendant. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a prequel to Snakes on a Plane in a lot of ways, and, you know, the flight attendant it works on an airplane of course and the plane's going down but inevitably the flight attendant's able to to kind of channel her inner pilot and and save the plane from crashing all right all right um well you got the airplane part right okay so that's, well, that's, that's a big good. that's a big part um all right one more all right one more uh let's go more recent i mean how old is conair a little more recent <laughs> The whole fun of this game is picking ones from the 90s, because I know you haven't seen anything from the <laughs> 90s. Um, 
how about the movie? Have you seen the movie Crash? No. <laughs> you get. It? I need. I'm gonna. I'm gonna that veto. Won one best picture in like the mid 2000s. Actually. Pass. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna need. A, I'm gonna need movie titles. I told you this last time. More than one word. I need more okay. descriptors. Okay. Um. Uh, I think let's just wrap it up. We'll we'll do some. More. I don't Fine. have. I, I'll, we'll, I'll go off on a high note. I, I didn't guess. know that you. Uh, I didn't know that you were gonna go no on both Con Air and The Rock. I, I, I feel was, like you should have known that. I was. I was pretty floored by that. Um, <laughs> I didn't didn't see that coming. Actually, okay, here's one. Here's one for you. Yes. Um, dazed and confused. I've not seen that. I've heard of that one. Is is this a stoner movie? Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, well, you know, I mean, like any good like any good stoner <laughs> that's movie. That's a description right there. Yeah, I think. Do I even need the you know hijinks ensue? Um, hijinks ensue. Marijuana, I assume, is involved with this. Um, probably some a lot of the word dude thrown around. Um, maybe a drug deal gone bad leads to some sort of wild goose chase and. Uh, <laughs> no, you you. You were right for a while there. There's no. All right. Well, no I'll, I'll, quit, I'll quit while I'm ahead. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm getting better at this stuff. <laughs> Next time, um, I'm really waiting for you to throw one out that I've seen. I guess yeah. Speed is maybe well, that one, speed. but I still. If the, I could give a great that, description of Speed. The fact that you got Speed, and then you're complaining about not these not being recent enough. Like speed. So like Speed was like '94. Yeah, I mean that's also replayed quite a bit. Clearly, I didn't watch it when I was but no movie. I didn't watch it in the theater more than Con Air. And if a movie is replayed more than Con Air, it might be The Rock. So that's, that's uh, Armageddon. Was, that's why I was surprised. That Let's you see. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You're gonna have to go with more like 2000 to 2009. Okay. Um, you know what do you call them? Like it's a lot more comedy. I haven't seen them though. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, I, it needs to be something that I would have seen maybe a trailer about to have some sort of basis. Like, okay. I have no idea what the movie Crash is about right. at all. Well, what is it, the movie Crash about? It's like, uh, just, it's, it's very hard to describe. See it? It's like eight different kind of people in LA, and it just kind of follows them as their days kind of like intersect. Uh, uh, so, like a Valentine's it's, it's a Day about, type of thing? It's a lot about like race and, um, just different people's gotcha. struggles from different sources. Okay. Well, it sounds riveting, and I will definitely <laughs> see it. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Wix.com and DraftKings. Uh, of course, use that promo code ROTOHOOPS for a free contest entry now on DraftKings.com.